Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. My guest today has had a number of leadership roles in the tech space. He's an internet technologist, serial entrepreneur and startup investor with over 25 years experience in the game. He has a wealth of knowledge on finance and data and he will share his insights with us today on Heads Talk. This is the new series on Heads Talk, a new year, a new series, the FinTech series, where we talk about all things FinTech and beyond. We will discuss traditional banking versus FinTech, innovations and exciting startups, open banking, AI in fintech, financial apps to look out for, payment systems, country adoption, and many, many more topics in this field. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Eurus. Eurus Private Capital Forum is transitioning online with on-demand sessions offering attendees the utmost flexibility to access industry-specific content and deals on their terms. Launching this coming February, Euros 2022 will bring together 100 speakers from across Europe over a broad agenda covering private equity, venture capital, real estate and private debt. For details, visit www.eurosforum.org. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Andreas Gouldy is a partner of the European venture capital firm B2V Partners. He joined the organization in 2019. Previously, he co-founded and helped build several successful technology startups in e-business services, social media analytics, video marketing, and online content in both Europe and the United States. Most recently, Andreas was the Chief Technology and Strategy Officer at the video marketing AI startup Pixability in Boston. An active angel investor for over 20, 20 years, he has been a board member, CTO, and chief executive officer. Academically, Andreas holds a master's degree in technology management from MIT and the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland. He has written a number of articles, co-authored a couple of books, and has his own technology blog, Innospective. Let's now have a conversation. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Andreas to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you again, Andreas. Um, I want to start um, this episode by talking about your current organization, B2V's recent news. You recently closed a new $135 million digital technologies early stage fund uh, for investment in Europe. With your extensive background and experience in technology and technology development, what are you seeing generally in the tech space that is ripe for investment? What is the something different that you look for when you you go to private equity fund network to generate interest yes um as you certainly know the entire tech space is currently very hot almost overheated and there are a lot of interesting niche fields where you can now invest uh, at early in the early stage startups as we do and um, there are niches like logistics prop tech uh, construction tech and so on but i would, would say 
The three topics that we are most excited about are first tools for AI, because a lot of companies have experimented with AI, have built first uh, models successfully, now getting all of this into production, which turns out to be quite challenging. So there's a new generation of tool companies that help with that process. And to give you an example, we invested in a company called Lettuce Flow out of ETH Zurich that has software to make AI models much more robust, because when you consider applications like autonomous driving, preventative maintenance, and so on, this is all very critical and a faulty model can even cost lives. So uh, improving this reliability is a big deal. And the second sector is the future of work. Um, all of us through the pandemic have been forced to get used to remote work, and I don't think we're going to uh, back to normal. So there's a whole generation of companies that help uh, with various tools in, in that whole process. And a third topic is digital health, um, also, of course, uh, influenced by the pandemic. Um, there's a lot of inefficiencies in the healthcare system still in all parts of the value chain and a lot of opportunities for startups to help with these topics, both on the consumer facing, patient facing side, but also behind the scenes in, in B2B. And these are kind of the three main topics that we are investing in. Okay, thanks for that. And perhaps if you could provide in greater detail, what in the fintech space are you looking out for? What, what's exciting you and your peers? Yes, um, historically, much of fintech investing has been on the consumer facing side. So we invested in, for instance, company, companies like Raisin, which is a deposit marketplace, or GetSafe, which is a next generation insurance company. But increasingly, the attention in investor circles has actually shifted to a more B2B-oriented world because there's a lot of untouched, untouched potential. And uh, one interesting topic in particular is what we call embedded fintech, which means that you use fintech capabilities to enrich the value of, for instance, software products that are mainly focused on productivity and workflow but uh, can use a um, fintech component to become much more useful. And the great example is a, a company in Germany that we recently invested in called Finway. They make uh, software for SMEs to manage their expenses, their invoice processes and so on. So classic productivity software for finance departments. But they recently introduced their own debit cards that sit right at the core of the software product and therefore makes the whole process of managing expenses that people um, in a company have through these cards much more easy and, and efficient. And that's a typical example where you take a classic finance product and integrate it into a, a traditional software product to make both aspects uh, more uh, efficient. In addition to that, um, I would definitely also mention the whole space of cryptocurrencies and blockchain tokenization, obviously very dynamic currently. And that's something that everybody, of course, tries to figure out and, and identify the best opportunities. Nobody on the VCC really wants to be too much into the, to, to go too much into the speculative parts of that, but uh, I think there's a lot of potential long-term in that space. Um, you know, with the digitalization of everything, I mean, you, you alluded to it as well, and presumably it has already changed a number of um, operational things in your space, but how do you mm -hmm. think it will change the, the modus operandi of venture capitalists and private equity organizations going forward? 
That's a great question. I think there, there are currently three angles, really, how digitization changes uh, VC and P. So first of all, um, all of us are now used to getting pitched on video conferencing, on mm. Zoom, et cetera, that has become absolutely standard. And I think nobody wants to go back to the old days where you know startups had to visit VC offices for the very first pitch. It simply doesn't make sense anymore. And I think that the playing field has really leveled and been globalized, so everybody now can invest anywhere in the world and if you're seeing more and more international VCs coming into the European market for instance um, with a lot of power so that's a consequence of that and the second thing is I think VC traditionally has been managed fairly manually in the background a lot of spreadsheets and so on and there's now a new generation of software products that is coming into play that helps digitize and automate these processes we have for instance invested in a company called Leggy that uh, just raised its uh, series A round from Sequoia Sequoia's first investment in, in Switzerland actually and this company makes a tool that helps startups manage their cap tables and option plans and so on and on the fund side enables us as a VC fund to manage our entire portfolio all the reporting processes and so on all that stuff that you have to do uh, which of course is a huge time saver so that's a typical example and then a third aspect is that traditionally sourcing in VC finding the most promising startups has been a very relationship and networking driven process and increasingly we are seeing the use of data as a, a much more important source as well so we have a data warehouse where we combine our own deal flow data with external data sources such as Crunchbase to identify the startups that we really want to talk to because they match our investment mm -hmm. thesis so uh, these are some examples for how digitization is changing the um, industry quite fundamentally I would say. It, it, it does, and I can imagine sort of pitching um, a venture to a venture capitalist that's completely on the other side of the, the globe, and you can do it via Zoom, whereas beforehand it would have been pretty um, difficult to do that. That's, yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. Wow. Um, how has fintech itself um, enhanced, eased, or even expedited some of your work um, as well as the, the industry as a whole? I would say we are still in the early stages of that, to be honest. I mean, what we definitely would like to see is more progress in tokenization of shares and things like that, because it's still quite amazing that, uh, you know, you close investment deals with all these this modern technology in the background and then you still go to the notary public and have to sign bunches of paper and so on and everything is sent around by, by snail mail. So it's, it's still a huge disconnect and I think um, there's a lot of efficiency to be had with uh, all this blockchain oriented technology, hopefully that gets adapted more and more. I think the technology is almost there, it's still early but mature enough to be useful, but now we are facing a lot of regulatory hurdles uh, to enable this kind of fintech mm -hmm. to make our industry more efficient and, and also, you know, more fluid mm -hmm. and more flexible in, in many ways. So, so we're seeing early movement, I mean, for instance, Switzerland has been quite progressive about uh, adapting to these new technologies and enabling, for instance, tokenization of shares um, in some cases, but uh, it's still early and we definitely have a lot of upside potential. All right, okay. Um, moving to, to AI, you've talked earlier about, you know, tools for AI being one of the, the things that is kind of ripe and hot and what everyone's interested in. I, I want to stick with AI. I want to talk about AI in fintech. 
uh, and the developments in this space. I had a conversation about AI's use uh, and developments in biomedicine and healthcare. I mean, I think you mentioned digital health as well as one of the things, biomedicine and healthcare technology with a recent guest. And they really just blew me away with how AI has advanced many things in their sector, for example, diagnostics and you know, long distance surgery and even treatment. I would really like to know what this piece of technology is doing in your space. How is it benefiting B2B scenarios? And what do you envisage will be the main use of this technology in the fintech space going forward? Mm-hmm. I think um, when you look at the biomedical space, they are probably the leaders um, yes. all over uh, the world in, in applying this technology. Fintech is not quite as far ahead, but AI is now already an enabling technology in fintech in, in many different ways along the whole value chain. To give you maybe two examples, uh, we invested in a company called Price Hubble that uses big data and AI to come up with very precise value estimates for real estate. And uh, that can be used, for instance, by banks to uh, guide their mortgage um, underwriting process, by insurances and so on. It's a whole range of of applications that uh, they especially see in the fintech and traditional finance industry, very sophisticated AI behind that, that is necessary for that. But um, ideally, as a customer, you don't even notice it, you just see that uh, the bank can come up with a very precise estimate. Another example, um, an investment that we did in the UK in a company called Cheddar Mill, they use uh, natural language processing AI to parse millions and millions of customer reviews um, that people write on all kinds of platforms like like uh, Trustpilot and things like that. Uh, about companies and it's of course very important for companies to know how happy or unhappy people are with their products and services and this particular product is also used by several fintech companies including uh, uh, transferwise for instance Mm -hmm. who want to have a very close ear on on the market and 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 determine what people are saying about their products so so these are two just two examples of many enabling technologies uh, around ai that you can Mm -hmm. find in the financial space of course, uh, banks already use models and even more fintechs for things like compliance, for um, you know credit ratings yeah. and so on. Yeah. So I, I don't think there is one single killer application for AI in finance. It's a lot of building blocks that make mm-hmm. parts of the whole value chain much more efficient. And uh, this is currently really being rolled out very widely in, in modern fintech companies, but also in traditional banks. Right. And, and as you say, it's not as mature as it is in um, biomedicine. So perhaps we need to wait maybe two, three, or even four years to, yeah. to, to, to have a greater conversation about this. And it'd be interesting to see how it's developed over that period. Um, let's talk briefly about security and perhaps users' anxiousness with some of the new technology and apps at their disposal, especially the, the, the B2C FinTech apps. Um, what is your understanding of the, the, the current security concerns with certain fintech application adoption and what has been put in place and or used or developed to reduce security breaches and subsequent um, cyber crimes. Mm-hmm. Are, uh, yeah, security is a, is a huge problem in, in fintech and in finance in general and has been for quite a while. I think it's, it's getting worse increasingly. I recently talked to the CIO of a major Swiss bank and he told me that they have several hundred hacker attacks every month that they have to defend against. And that's just one bank. And we're not talking about, you know, beginners who are trying to hack a Swiss bank. These are really professionals that that, are trying to do this. 
So, so all these banks have huge departments who take care of security using modern technology. AI is also being used, by the way, in this kind of environment for intrusion detection, for instance, to identify threats that, that have not been known yet, but um, are unusual patterns in uh, something that goes on on your network, for instance, that they can detect much earlier now, thanks to AI technology. So a lot going on behind the scenes. Similarly, the whole topic of know your customer is a huge topic because uh, fintechs have been used for money laundering, people mm. opening accounts anonymously, or not anonymously, but under yeah. false identities and so on. And uh, all the banks and fintechs are struggling with that and uh, rolling out more modern technology to, to take care of that. And then I, I think on, on the customer, consumer and uh, more sophisticated ways of verifying your identity when you log into your fintech app so that uh, people can't hack your um, login and, and, and uh, you know, surf themselves in your account are being rolled out increasingly uh, biometrics and things like yeah. that. Uh, deeper integration with your mobile device. These are all topics that are currently uh, being rolled out and that should make people feel much more secure about their relationships and their usage of fintech apps. Right. Okay. So it's getting better, hopefully. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, I'd, I'd like to end this episode of Heads Talk with a question that um, I will ask all the guests of this new series. So let me begin by asking, what is the fintech app that you, Andreas, cannot do without and why? Well, I'm using for almost all my banking an app called Neon, which is a Swiss neobank, um, fintech uh, bank that uh, we invested in. And it's really extremely pragmatic, super easy to use, just stays out of the way. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, a very very a pleasure to use every day and, and that's uh, absolutely great and in addition to that uh, for my kids i uh, still use revolut because neon is not able to to provide kids uh, debit cards quite yet in switzerland yeah. and uh, having debit cards for your kids sounds maybe like a little bit of overkill but it turns out it's actually a really interesting way of uh, enabling kids to think about money and about saving, giving them a lot more independence about their own finances. And uh, I've been really happy with that because they, they seem to have a much more awareness now about what money is and, and how, how they should you know, segment their, their, their allowance money and spending uh, you based on this app. And of course, it's very natural for them to, to use mobile apps in, in their daily lives. So I think that that's really one of the examples where you have unexpected benefits of these fintech apps, even in your family life. Okay, and the second part of this question is, what is the solution that you think is yet to be developed, but sits firmly within the fintech world once available? Well, it's not a very sexy topic, but I think uh, good, plain old bill paying is still something that has to be solved more properly. I mean, we all have to pay our bills, right? And it's still an annoying and mostly paper-based process. I mean, you, you see different digitization solutions in different countries, but nothing is really integrated well. And, and it's still a lot of typing and copy pasting and scanning and so on. 
And I think um, figuring that out uh, as an industry would be something really beneficial. And I know there are some startups who, who are trying new approaches for that. And, and Switzerland just introduced a new type of QR codes for, for invoices, for instance, which has helped a little bit, but it's still very manual and paper-based. And I think that the fintech industry, uh, you know, sometimes is trying to maybe get to, uh, tries to get a bit too fancy in some ways mm -hmm. and is often neglecting these more trivial um, cases where that, that affect us every day. And uh, I really wish for the industry to be a bit more pragmatic and, and figure out these basics first. Right. You know, when you said bill paying, I, I thought you were talking about domestic bill paying, but you're not talking about yeah, No, I do. You are talking about domestic. And, Bo and both domestic and business. I mean, uh, <clears throat> both of which are, are still a pain, yes. definitely, right? Um, oh, I, agree. I think that there's a lot of, of advancement that we have seen in B2B bill payment um, that's getting digitized a bit more. Uh, but even there, you can find industries that are still largely manual, but domestic bill payment especially is still largely a pain in most countries. Brilliant. Um, something else I wanted to ask you, and that was mm -hmm. um, with the, your idea of the domestic as well as business bill, bill paying. What about accounting for businesses? I mean, mm -hmm. yes, we have SAGE, we have all of that, but surely this is, maybe there's, a, there's an AI element to that. Should, they, should there be something developed that makes it superly simple, superly easy to be done, you know, sorting out all your taxes and accounting, very easy for the, the ordinary layman. You want to concentrate on the business, you want to concentrate on your product, all this other stuff. It's, you know, it's a bit of a headache. And I just wondered if there's something that could be, or in the pipeline, perhaps two, three years time, something like that could be developed? What do you think? Um, it, it has already been developed. There are some companies who are trying to solve this problem. We actually had an investment in a company that uh, was trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Their value proposition was that as a small business, you can give them all your invoices and receipts and so on, all on paper in a, in a box, and mm -hmm. they scan everything, use AI to understand what the stuff is about, and yeah. then uh, basically deliver finalized accounting right for you. Mm -hmm. um, it turned out to be a very tough market and a very tough problem because uh, most small businesses are probably not as organized as they could be and uh, therefore it was often a manual process to even get the right documents and uh, then the ai was not entirely perfect so you had a lot of uh, you know questions between the different parties and so on that, that had to be processed so in the end, it turned out to be very tough to build a profitable business around that. And they decided to switch more to large companies and enterprise applications where the underlying technology was uh, much more useful immediately. So I think it, the industry has recognized the problem, but it's just very hard to crack, to be honest. And I know, and I'm thinking, because I sort of think out sort of out of the box, with such things, perhaps with, you know, digitalization, all this sort of FinTech technology, the way small business um, and their customers pay and buy things will be through the smartphones and that data will be stored somewhere ready for mm. the, the accounting piece to sort out rather than, you know, papers and printing out invoices and trying to find paper. Uh, you know, I've got my small business and I'm forever pulling paper and sorting things out. If there was a way that could be paid through the mobile app, through various mobile apps, and that mm -hmm. data all gets filtered into one area ready for the accounting process you, do you know what i mean something like yeah, that yeah 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 i think you're, you're absolutely right that's that's what people want and um i think what parts of the industry are also trying to solve 
it turns out to be a fairly complex problem yeah. because you have so many different parties and and you know yeah. to get everybody to adopt the same standard has been very painful for for literally 25 years now um, i actually worked at university before i even started my first company almost 30 years now about uh, ago by now uh, on a project that was exactly dealing with that question and we we thought oh this is around the corner basically because everybody understands the problem and needs a solution it turns out to be very very complicated especially when it comes even to cross-border payments and so yeah. on then yeah. you know it just yeah. gets very very complicated and it needs time and and it's it's a not very fast moving industry uh for various reasons but i think we'll get there sooner or later yes indeed um, i think it's interesting times and very interesting for you as well in terms of being an, an investor in some of these things now it okay is. all right okay that's that's it um andreas goulding many thanks for your time and insights thank you Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepinkle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.